Hello and welcome to the CRV Podcast. My name is Jeff Wright. On this episode, we're continuing our series of interviews with the current candidates for president of the Southern Baptist Convention. Dr. Albert Moeller, president of Southern Baptist Theological Seminary in Louisville, Kentucky, spoke with me about his conversion, his career serving Southern Baptists, and the blessings and challenges facing the Southern Baptist Convention. I trust you will find the interview both informative and enjoyable. One note, because of Dr. Moeller's travel schedule and the tech we use to record the audio for these interviews, this audio is not quite up to our normal standards. Nonetheless, I think you will agree at the end that the content was well worth the dip in audio quality. Okay, let's get going on my interview with Dr. Al Moeller. Dr. Albert Moeller, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. Thank you, Jeff, and honored to be with you. Well, we certainly appreciate it on our end. Um, this, this podcast that you're, uh, that you're on now is facing towards the Southern Baptist Convention, and so everybody listening is going to know who you are. But I thought maybe um, uh, something we could give our listeners is uh, the story of your conversion, if you could give us a, a brief sketch of that. I'm not sure that I've heard that. Yeah. Yeah, well, what an honor. When, when I was uh, uh, born into Christian parents, the Lord gave me such a great blessing. And uh, my mom and dad, faithful Christians, very ardent, uh, committed Southern Baptists. I grew up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord in the home and in the church. I was surrounded by loving Christian people who taught the Word of God. I was in every program imaginable back when Southern Baptists had a program 24-7. Uh, just about for everything. So I was in everything from, you know, pr- I was in pre-cradle role, which, you know, I mean, we were enrolling unborn children. Uh, but, you know, I was just baby mother, you know, that was in cradle role. And then uh, all the way through. And uh, my, my dad you know, became director of training union, later director of, of Sunday school. He was, he was in the grocery business. My mom, just very, very faithful. And, you know, we're always at church, every choir, every event. And, uh, and yet I was lost in my sin. And, and really didn't know that until vacation Bible school when I was nine. And uh, I was at another church because as I tell people, when I was growing up, you did not go to vacation Bible school. You went to vacation Bible schools. Mm-hmm. And so I think I attended about three or four a year. And, uh, and, and that included going to one at the Methodist church because it was across from my grandmother. And uh, at, at least in vacation Bible school, they were teaching pretty much the same thing. But, you know, I, I went to like three different Southern Baptist Sunday schools uh, uh, in, in that ninth uh, summer of my life. And uh, the preacher who I didn't know was bivocational in a little Southern Baptist church just uh, close to our neighborhood. He preached that last day of vacation Bible school about the gospel. And for the first time in my life, I came to know that I not only sinned, but that I am a sinner. And the Holy Spirit was just working in my heart, drew me to Christ. I confessed Christ, was baptized. And, um, you know, I, I can just tell you, I look back with unmitigated gratitude at how Southern Baptists took care of me and presented the gospel to me. And even prepared my parents for the challenge of Christian parenthood. And um, so, yeah, I, I, I've never known a moment when Southern Baptist identity was not deeply stamped in, in my heart. Okay. Well, that, that kind of sets me up for something else I wanted to ask you about. Obviously, uh, as you grew to adulthood uh, as, as a believer, there's lots of competing theological traditions, Christian traditions that you know we would say maybe uh, don't have the clarity that uh, the Baptist tradition does, but, but certainly are faithful traditions to the gospel. 
Was there ever a time where you thought, you know what, I, I'm going to take a look at whether or not I stay in Southern Baptist life? I, I guess really what I'm getting to is, why are you still a Southern Baptist? Well, I could tell you an anecdote, but I'll give you an argument. Uh, so uh, the, 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 uh, the, the argument is this. Uh, when I read the Bible, I'm driven to Baptist understandings of the church, Baptist understandings of the ministry, Baptist understandings of, let's just say it out loud, baptism. Uh, you know, a converted church, uh, the necessity of personal conversion, baptism is obedience to Christ and following the biblical picture of uh, being buried with him uh, in, in baptism, raised to walk in newness of life is a very picture of, of Christ's atoning work for us. And that means a little bit of water won't do. And, uh, and, and so... The, the argument, I'll, I'll put it this way, and I, I was invited about a year ago to contribute an article to First Things, which is a very prominent intellectual journal in the United States, on why I'm a Baptist. And the readership of First Things is probably majority Roman Catholic. And so I thought, you know, here's some mission work. I'm going to do this. And so when I was trying to explain why I'm a Baptist, it, it, early on, I said, you know, you have to understand the Reformation said that the, that the Catholic Church didn't take the Bible seriously enough. And then that, that, that was Luther. And then Calvin came along and said, Luther, you don't take the Bible seriously enough. And then the, the, the Puritans in the Church of England came along and said, Calvin, you don't take the Bible seriously enough. And then the separatists came out of the Puritans in the Church of England saying, we don't think you take the Bible seriously enough. You're standing in the Church of England, after all. And then the Baptists came out of the separatists because we said the separatists didn't take the Bible seriously enough. So I'm in that, I'm, you know, I'm in that line, Jeff. I just want to take the Bible with total seriousness, and thus I am a Baptist. Now, that might infuriate non-Baptists, but I'll simply say, come on in, the water's fine. Well, here, 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 here. Well, speaking about being a Baptist um, and, and Southern Baptists, uh, the, the reason you were gracious enough to, to come on or, and, and why we reached out is that you are currently running for... Uh, the presidency of the Southern Baptist Convention. And I'm curious if you could walk us through how you came to decide to accept that nomination. I'm sure that was a prayerful decision, and, and I'm, I'm curious what your thought process was. Yeah, I'm kind of curious about that myself, Jeff. Uh, I'm going to tell you, it looks a lot different now than when I said yes, which was in 2019. Sure. And, and so events have not unfolded as I expected when I said yes. And uh, you use two words there that I'm just going to quibble with a little bit. One is running for it. Now, you're not wrong. It's just, I'm not comfortable with that. I did not say yes to this. I've always said yes to Southern Baptists in any way I know to serve or to lead. Um, and, and so that's the spirit in which I said yes when people asked me if I would be willing to be nominated. Uh, there are other candidates. And, and, you know, right now, I'll just tell you, it's a very uncomfortable position for me. I didn't anticipate this. This is not, this is not where I thought we'd be. And uh, I'm just... Praying the Lord will give me sight to be faithful in the midst of this, but um, I, 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 I will, until my dying breath, serve Southern Baptist any way I can. Um, and then the other thing you said that, uh, you know, been nominated. Actually, there are no nominees until a speech is given on the floor of the SBC. So I know you know that. I'm not correcting you. I'm simply saying that uh, at this point, there are just, uh, so far as I know, four individuals uh, who have announced they would be willing to accept a nomination if it happened uh, at the SBC. So when, 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 and when I said yes to that, there were no other uh, persons who had said such a thing. And so uh, we're in a different situation now. Well, I appreciate that humble quibble and also the, uh, the way you corrected me without owning that you corrected me, which is absolutely right. And so I'm, I'm thankful for every bit of that. Um, 
what was on your mind when when the idea of accepting a nomination came? Uh, was it was it simply just I think Southern Baptists are, are may ask me to serve, and so therefore I will serve as you've laid out there. Well, I'm going to try to speak honestly and candidly. I don't know any other way to talk, um, but uh, something happened between 2015, say, and uh, and 2020. So it's just a five-year period of time, but a lot more happened in the SBC than can happen in any normal five years. So I won't go into detail. But uh, by the time we came to the end of that period, I'm kind of left as a senior leader in the SBC. Um, I'm the longest tenured leader in any role in the SBC. And, uh, you know, when I was elected, everybody talked about how young I was at 33. Well, nobody's talking that way anymore. Uh, you can add almost 30 years to that now. And look, the SBC has big questions it is going to have to face. And uh, I've tried to help to, I've tried to help Southern Baptists faithfully and biblically to think through those issues. Am I deeply concerned about the SBC? Yes. I am. I'm not deeply concerned as in panic. I'm deeply concerned because I think we're in a time of such tumult that uh, the biggest questions of our conviction, practice, polity, they're, they're, uh, they're up at stake. And, uh, and by the way, this happens partly just because of time. And so, you know, it turns out that in American politics, you have big issues come up about every 20, 25, or 30 years. It, it turns out that in the SBC, the same thing has happened. Uh, you, have the, you have the SBC that produced the Baptist Faith Message in 1925, came back and revisited it in 1963. I was a part of the committee that, that revised it, um, I think, in, in, in such a healthy direction in the year 2000. We're 21 years later. We're a little short on a 30, 35-year cycle. But it turns out that maybe because of social media, maybe just because of you know demographics and, uh, and, and, and developments, the, these big questions are, are before us again. I am deeply concerned. I, I want to help in any way I can. Well, I appreciate that. So if if, if an outsider were listening or, or approached you sort of uh, at an airport or something and said, what are the Southern Baptist Convention's greatest strengths? What would you point to? Uh, I would always point, as I think Southern Baptists would have uh, pointed in 1845 to local churches, period. That's it. The, the SBC doesn't have to exist. It's, it's not important as a thing into itself. All it is, but this is really huge, all it is is the extension of the common ministry and convictions of Southern Baptist churches. If those churches aren't healthy, the SBC won't be healthy. If those churches are healthy, uh, the SBC will be healthy. I have great, great confidence in Southern Baptist churches. I just do, uh, you know, uh, my life is inextricably tied to faithful Southern Baptist churches. Churches have their own experiences. They have, have, you know, kind of a golden era here, and they've had to struggle a little bit more here. But I'll tell you what, Southern Baptists know what the gospel is. They want to take the gospel to the ends of the the world. They they want to represent Christ and share the gospel in their communities. They want to help families uh, to raise their children, uh, you know, in the honor of the Lord. Uh, they want people to know the Bible. They, they, we, we know what worship is, which is the gathered people of God uh, to worship the one true God according to his word, uh, the centrality of Christ and the worship of Christ and all of life. And we're Baptist by conviction, which means all we really believe in that's absolutely necessary is the local church, period. Hmm. Uh, we believe that it's a radical idea. It's the essence of the Baptist idea. We think every single Southern Baptist local church is fully equipped uh, to do everything God has commissioned the church to do. Every single one of them. And, uh, and and so all the SBC is is a way of channeling the faithfulness of Southern Baptist churches 
together so that we can do more together than we could do individually. Uh, but you know, every missionary has to come from a church. You know, every pastor comes from a church and, and serves a church. It, it all comes back to the church, and uh, I hope and pray Baptists never forget that. Dr. Muller, I appreciate your emphasis on the local church and that answer, and then also just in the tenor of your career. Um, so to, to someone who may be listening to you give that answer, uh, and, and they say back, well, you're right, the local church is of vital importance to the Southern Baptist Convention. Therefore, we need a pastor to serve as president. What would your response to that that idea be? Well, it's not a ridiculous statement. I think if you look at history of the SBC, that's been the norm. That is, that it would be the usual pattern. It would be as a, as a pastor, as a president of the SBC. It's not. It's 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 not the only pattern. There are other patterns, particularly when Southern Baptists needed some definition and uh, looked at, you know, for some leadership that was trusted, they often did turn uh, to the leaders of SBC entities. And, um, you know, I, I wouldn't expect to be followed by one. If I'm elected, I wouldn't expect, you know, another entity to follow me. I'd expect it to be a rather unusual circumstance. But there's a, there's a lot of precedent for it in SBC history. But, um, you know, if a, pastor, if a pastor can serve in this role better, then Southern Baptists ought to elect a pastor. Well, again, I appreciate your humility there. Um, I asked you about strengths. Maybe maybe we could walk towards some challenges. Uh, if I could serve one up, you've said plainly and, and recently that the idea of women pastors is inconsistent with our confession of faith. Uh, my social media seems to indicate that there are many Southern Baptists who aren't as convinced as you are. And so can you elaborate on your position and specifically why holding the confessional line on this is important for gospel faithfulness in coming days? Well, I could speak on terms of Baptist principle and Baptist history. I can also speak in terms of the, of the larger history of the Christian church. Let me put it this way. Without confessional accountability, no denomination has stayed conservative ever. And so I, I can't think of a singular exception. Having a strong confession of faith doesn't guarantee faithfulness, but not having one guarantees unfaithfulness. Hmm. I mean, people say, you know, what, 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 what does other Baptists believe? You know, and I can remember back in the conservative resurgence controversy, there were people on the moderate side who said, well, just give me the New Testament. Well, okay, okay. But, uh, but you'll notice when the Apostle Paul talks to Timothy, uh, obviously, I believe in sola scriptura. Scripture is the ultimate authority, but you have to be able to summarize the faith. Uh, otherwise, you can't. I mean, you don't get to preach the whole New Testament every Sunday morning. Uh, the, the reality is, you've got to summarize the faith. The Apostle Paul says to Timothy, maintain the pattern of sound words. Uh, the Christian church has learned at times that you have to say things the right way, or you end up ruining the Christian faith. And uh, at crucial turning points, the Christian church has had to say, for instance, you must say that that Jesus Christ is very God of very God, that He is truly God and truly man. You, you must say it exactly that way because any other way messes it up. We have to say that God is one in three and three in one. He is, he is one God in three persons. Um, and, and, and so in, in Baptist conviction, again, again, what's a local church? You know, uh, the, is a local church is where two or three people gather together and say we're a church? You know, Baptists say no. It, it, it's where a church is a covenanted gathered community, it matter the number, but a covenanted gathered community established on New Testament principles and, uh, you know, structured according to the New Testament's command. And so you, you got, you've got to say what these things are. Uh, when you hire people, uh, how do you hire people? How do you know if someone's a heretic? Well, you're going to have to have something 
to point to to say you're in violation. Of, and, and look, when Southern, when Southern Baptists came together, virtually every congregation was a part of an association deeply confessional. When the very first Baptists came together in the, in the, uh, the, the 17th century. You know, the, one of the first things they did was to adopt a confession of faith to say, this is what we believe. These are the beliefs of our churches. If you believe this, come join us. If you don't believe this, you should be a member of our church. Uh, you, you can't be a member of our association as, as a church unless you agree with this doctrine. This is the faith once for all delivered to the saints. You've got to be able to put it in summary form and say, these are the doctrines that are essential to us. You know, I, I, uh, I, I will say that I think every single Southern Baptist church believes more than the Baptist faith and message. The Baptist faith and message doesn't tell us what to believe on the origin of the soul, you know, because it's not a matter that uh, that that impacts the establishment and structure of a faithful Baptist church or the preaching of the gospel. You don't have to have a confessional answer to that question. But when you ask, what is who is the one true God and what is the right way to, to describe him, you better have a confession of faith. Um, and by the way, even even just technically, let's just take the larger world right now. If you're making a religious liberty defense, uh, say in a federal court, saying, I believe this, we believe this, we have, my school has the right to teach this because it's a matter of deeply uh, defined religious conviction that the, the federal government must respect. You've got to point to some convictions. You can't just say, I just kind of have a Christian mood. You, you, you've got to say, this is what we believe. When we say that marriage is the union of a man and a woman, we're not just saying it because we want it to be true. We're saying it because this is what the Christian church has taught. How do we prove that? Well, there's the New Testament. Yes, but here's, here's the confession of faith. Here's the creed. Here's the, the, the theological definition. And for Southern Baptists, here's the Baptist faith and message. Well, here, here. And well said, as usual. Well, sir, you've, you've been super generous with your time. Uh, if I could maybe throw two more questions at you. Sure. I would appreciate that. We're we're looking very soon as Southern Baptists to gather in Nashville for our annual meeting and Lord willing that will that will happen. Uh it's been 2 years since we've done that and uh Birmingham our, our, our annual meeting there was a doozy. Um if I were to guess, I think resolution 9 will be the legacy of that annual meeting. Yes. What do you think the legacy of Resolution 9 will be in Southern Baptist life in the coming years? Well, I, I, I think it, it, it points to several things. First of all, I do not think it was healthy for the SBC to adopt the resolution. I don't agree with the resolution. I'll put it that way. Uh, but I also think what we saw was a, a, an unhealthy way for Southern Baptists to do business. I mean, there, there was really no adequate discussion of this on the floor. One of my concerns about the SBC is we've made it almost impossible for messengers to discuss anything. Hmm. You know, it, it, it's not such an orchestrated meeting. It's almost like an unrolled production. Now, who, whose fault is that? Well, let's put it this way. It's nobody's fault. Nobody sat in a room and said, what we need to do is to try to shut down as much conversation as possible. No, part of it's just the press of time. And, and part of it is because, you know, you're not looking at three or 400 people showing up to the Southern Baptist Convention. We have over 10,000 people show up to the Southern Baptist Convention. Everybody can't talk or we're still going to be there a year from now. So, you know, it's, it's a challenge. But I, I think when you look at Resolution 9, I don't think – here's the big question. Does the resolution faithfully express the convictions and beliefs of uh, the vast majority of Southern Baptists? I don't think the answer to that is yes. And so something happened that shouldn't have happened. It should have happened otherwise. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you. Um, maybe, maybe just a slight change in gears. Looking at uh, you know the potential for your election to the presidency, 
it seems like managing the public image of Baptists and maybe even evangelicals is increasingly part of what is on the plate of the president of the Southern Baptist Convention. So when you think of the role of the, the president of the Southern Baptist Convention, do you, do you feel a burden to say, I am the face of, of Baptists in, in, at this point, or evangelicals? And if so, how, how would you navigate those waters? That's a fair question, Jeff. I guess I'd simply say I've been navigating those waters my entire adult life. That's just what I've ended up doing, is speaking on behalf of Southern Baptists and Evangelicals. Uh, Whether it's uh, CNN or the Washington Post, I mean, just this week, I've got a long line of of, of major media interviews, not about the SBC, by the way. That is not about the election of the SBC or even about the annual meeting. Most of them are about big issues about which Southern Baptists are concerned, religious liberty, the Equality Act. you, you could just, you know, go, go down the list. Uh, the uh, the Supreme Court and the abortion decision, you know, yesterday, I think Associated Press story came out this morning uh, that that uh, I gave time to uh, enter the interviews. Uh, so, I mean, I've been doing that my entire adult life. And, and a part of it's because one of the first major responsibilities Southern Baptist gave me was being editor of a state paper in which I was working as a member of the press, in the press. And, um, and uh, so, I mean, I, the Lord's, the Lord's given me opportunity there. I'm seeking to be a good steward of that opportunity. But being president of the SBC uh, would just be more of the same of what I do. And, and at least I, I, I know that I do, I do not want to sound like this is humorous, but at least a part of what I bring to Southern Baptists is, yes, I have been doing this a long time, and I think Southern Baptists have, uh, have at least uh, indicated respect for that. Uh, but look, whoever's like the president of the SBC, I'm going to keep on doing what I been committed to do, and that's represent Southern Baptists as, as best I can. And I, I have a smile on my face as I say this, Jeff, you can't see it in the podcast, but when you say represent the evangelical movement, well, that I'm less committed to, uh, simply because right now that is a circus with more tents than uh, than uh, I have time to deal with. But uh, but yes, the, 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 the mainstream evangelical movement in the United States with people who included mentors to me, like Carl Henry and and others, uh, the movement that Billy Graham, uh, you know, helped, helped uh, to, to lead. And, you know, of course, he was he spoke at my inauguration, was one of the greatest uh, friends I had in, in the great task that was entrusted to me at Southern Seminary. Yes, I'm going to speak on behalf of historic evangelicalism, but not on behalf of everything that tries to go under that label these days. All right. Right. Well, I'll... I'll tell you and our listeners that I've often found myself in a in a situation where I see you know CNN or something like that saying we're going to speak to Southern Baptist leader and I'm you know uh, sitting there waiting for the commercial break to end hoping it is you so I I appreciate your service to us in that way sir that's very kind that is very kind I uh, I, I spend an awful lot of time uh, you know dealing with the media and sometimes sitting in a studio staring at a camera and uh, praying that I represent Southern Baptists well. And uh, if, if, that, if it ever happens that I do not, I hope the cameras are turned off. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do this as best I can along the Lord, as the Lord allows and opens the doors. Well, again, I appreciate your humility there, Dr. Moeller. Hey, thank you so much for taking time. I know you're just an incredibly busy man, and carving out time to speak to us is, is a real uh, blessing for us. So thank you for that, and we will be praying that the Lord will... Uh, Make his will clear and bless uh, the annual meeting. Continue blessing your work at Southern Seminary, and uh, and, and you have our thanks. Well, thank you, Jeff, and uh, I look forward to meeting you and several thousand of our best friends in Nashville. And we pray God's will will be done.
All right. Thanks to Dr. Moeller for taking the time to sit down with us and for the candid answers he gave. If you aren't familiar with Dr. Moeller's work outside of the seminary, both in writing and podcasting, check the show notes for links to where you can find it. Thank you for listening to this episode of the CRV Podcast. For all of us at CRV, we wish you all the best in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you.